Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Bonte. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to day 13 of our 14-day Buddhist plan. Uh, Bonte, you'd like to lead us off with the five remembrances, please. Yes, thank you, Alan. Once again, you're going to hear the sound of the bell, then I will recite the five remembrances. I am subject to aging. There is no way to avoid aging. I am subject to ill health. There is no way to avoid illness. I am going to die. There is no way to avoid death. Everyone and everything that I love will change. There is no way to escape being separated from them. My only true possessions are my actions. I cannot escape their consequences. Thank you. So today we're talking about the five remembrances. And uh, as you all know, we've been doing the five remembrances ever since the beginning of this uh, practice. And so there's a kind of a reason why it's coming closer to the end here. Now we're talking more about it in depth. Tomorrow marks the end of our 14 day plan, but it doesn't end your practice. So it's really important that we continue the five remembrances the entire time uh, we're, we're Buddhists, it's, it's, it's really important for me to talk about that. So first, the uh, scripture, uh, and this is basically where the five remembrances come from. There, there are these five facts that one should reflect upon. Or excuse me, let me just start over again. There are these five facts that one should reflect on often, whether one is a woman or a man, lay or ordained. So the Buddha is saying, this is for everyone. These five remembrances or five reflections are, you know, just not for monastics or, you know, not just for laypersons. They're for everyone uh, who's a Buddhist. So what basically are these? You know, we, we talked about that at the beginning of our practice. These are our way of confronting our fears. And our fears are basically what is, you know, chaining us here. So when we talk about uh, these five remembrances, they are helping us get rid of uh, our mental chains or bonds, you know, to uh, samsara, the cycle of rebirth, 
And that's really um, what we call fetters or mental fetters. And so they're keeping us in the cycle of rebirth and that's preventing us from realizing our true nature, which is nirvana. So this is why this practice is so important to us as Buddhists, but it's also rooted in what the Buddha also discovered uh, you know, when he started his path. So as Bhante mentioned you know, um, you know, several days ago, when we first started talking about this, that the first three of the of the five remembrances are what the Buddha saw, you know, uh, part of his four sights. So this is what spurred the Buddha to, you know, before he was the Buddha, to actually, you know, seek out the truth. And so we're kind of following him in his footsteps every single day that we're doing this. We are also, you know, reflecting upon what he saw so that we can also be spurred uh, and, you know, engage on this path. And so when we're, you know, able to, you know, drop these fetters, you know, uh, we're able to end our obsessions and thus, you know, like these chains and bonds we have to samsara. So we're basically almost like the Buddha, we're, we're taking kind of like, you know, uh, I mentioned in the planner, like a hammer, you know, to these uh, fears that we have. And that's really powerful for our, our walk on, you know, the Eightfold Path. Uh, we're confronting them and that's fearful. So when we're kind of thinking about this in our daily practice, uh, as far as a 14 day plan, you know, we should kind of like, you know, today kind of reflect on a few things like what is causing us, you know, discomfort when we talk about the five remembrances, you know, a lot of these are very much in your face. They are very fearful. They're very fearful, you know, like I'm going to die and get sick and stuff like that, you know, and especially with the uh, pandemic currently, that's fearful. Maybe you do have a sick family member or you were sick at one time or maybe gravely so, who knows? Um, and then what are you afraid of? Which, which of, or maybe all of, you know, the uh, five remembrances, like what, what makes you fearful um, of those? And that could also be part of your practice as well too. Oh, you know, I'm fearful of, let's say, you know, uh, ill health. Okay, you know, so you're you're you understand what your you know primary fear is, and we all have these fears, you know. All that's why these five members are there. If you look at the Buddha uh, before he was the Buddha, he was, you know, able to become the Buddha, right? So obviously he was very you know determined what he what he was doing, and here we are, you know, just trying to muddle along, you know, try to try to become you know good Buddhists and go along the path. If he was shocked, you know, by what he saw. Just imagine us, and for us, it's sometimes so deep inside that we do not want to even recognize that fear, you know, that, you know, the original fear that's inside us. So as you kind of do your five remembrances, sometimes it just may be, you know, repetitious for us uh, origin, uh, initially, and we're not really thinking about it. But as we start, you know, really realizing what we're afraid of, what our fears of, fears are, we're able to truly confront them. And like I mentioned before, take that hammer and you know, break down those fetters that are keeping us chained here in our world. So um, that's gonna be part of our practice. I would say, you know, it, it, like I'm saying, we're, we're gonna be ending our 14 day plan tomorrow, our practice tomorrow, but this should continue on all the time. And it's, I think a beautiful part of a daily practice as well. You're starting off just like the Buddha started off with the five remembrances, like his four sites, right? So we're starting off with, you know, three of those to spur us on. 
we're also doing, you know, meditation, which is going to be kind of like our, our strength, our mental push-ups, you know, as we you know, are preparing ourselves and engaging on this noble eightfold path. So I think it's a beautiful way to begin a daily practice every single day. Bhante, can you add some more to this? Uh, yes. So in order to really understand the five remembrances, so what this is really getting at is uh, first and foremost, for us to understand anicca, which is change or impermanence. So it isn't until we understand and accept change, impermanence, that we can truly begin to work with this change and impermanence. Our, most of our suffering is based on the illusion that things are going to be the way we want them, or things are going to remain the same. Uh, when we don't accept change, that brings us suffering. We look in the mirror 10, 20 years later, and we don't see the person who we saw before in the past, that very young, handsome, beautiful, gorgeous person is full of wrinkles. And, and that brings us discomfort. And we try to do all these things like put on lotion or uh, makeup or, you know, facial hair or anything to try to cover it up. And why do we do that? Because we don't want to accept the reality. We're still, we have a certain image of ourselves in our, in our mind and our physical appearance doesn't reflect that. So there's a conflict. This conflict brings suffering. The same thing with our partners, we, we still have the idea of this, you know, young, beautiful person that we got into a relationship with. And then you wake up in the morning and, you know, they're not the same, they don't look the same. And when you talk to them and everything they do, they become a different person, right? And this is sometimes the cause of many relationship problems to say, you're not the same person that I met or that I married how can you expect them to be the same person time has passed they've experienced new things um, of course they're going to change if they if they wouldn't change that would be a sign of concern because they wouldn't grow and they wouldn't learn but we have a conflict in our mind we want things to be a certain way right and then when we notice that they're not the way that we first had when we first had them then the suffering comes this is also the in society we talk about the good old days the good old days are just the days when we were very young and naive and we didn't understand how things were. So we weren't bothered by them, but we still hold that image. We hold that image and then 20, 30 years later, we see the world and it's not the way that we remember when we were 15, 20 years old, when we were growing up. And that causes conflict. We wish we can go back, but we can't turn the time, uh, the wheels of time back to those days when we grew up and have society be the same way we can't force our partners to you know be a robot and not change and we can't stop this body from aging so what are we going to do are we going to try to retreat into some fantasy world into some mission impossible where we can you know keep everything the way we want it like if we were a curator from a museum or are we going to view the world the way it is see reality, meet reality, be in harmony with reality. 
if you're in harmony with reality, then this discomfort won't arise. It's only when our preconceptions about how things have to be in order for me to be happy that suffering happens. But when you accept change, when you accept uh, the ability not to predict things, the, the, uh, the truth that everything is unstable, that things arise and cease, then uh, the suffering is easier to deal with because there's no you know, conflict in your mind. You already knew about this. You were preparing for this day. So this is really the key of the five remembrances. The five remembrances are not to get stuck on being old or getting sick or dying, some morbid pessimistic practice. Uh, but these are the highlights. These are the things that people find difficult to accept that, that, that change or losing your family members and things that you hold dear. These are the things we need to work with. We need to accept this. The sooner we accept this, the freer we can be letting go, right, of the fetters of attachments, letting go of the attachments to our preconceptions. That's difficult. Since the moment that we wake up, we expect our coffee to taste a certain way. We expect our car to turn on. We expect our phone to work, that we have internet. We expect that our, our boss and coworkers are gonna be a certain way. But that's not reality. That's just your, your hopes and dreams that, you know, there'll be some safety for you because safety makes us feel comfortable. But that's not the way things are. At any moment, any one of millions of things that are part of your life can, can go away. And that's not a bad thing. That's just the way things are. It's not bad that we get sick and get old and die. That's part of nature. That's the way things are. If, we, if everyone lived forever, uh, we probably wouldn't have been born because there wouldn't have been any space for us here, right? Um, and think about all the, res all the fighting for resources that would happen then. It's ridiculous. It wouldn't make any sense. And life would lose sort of its kind of like um, kind of value, right? Uh, if everything is there forever, no, there would be no initiative to, you know, do anything now. Things would just be always pushed back towards some other, oh, it's going to be there. Oh, they'll be there. We even do that now with our short 60-year life, right? Oh, I'll go visit my parents next year. Oh, I'll get my degree next year. And, you know, we live such a short life. If, if we live forever, nothing would get done. We would never visit anyone. So we have to uh, accept impermanence um, the sides that we don't like and the sides that we like and all, all the possibilities. I mean, I could talk about impermanence, I think, for more than an hour easily. But I just kind of wanted, you know, to give you a broader perspective of why we're reflecting on this. Because um, for most of us that didn't grow up in a Buddhist culture, it, it's, it's very counterintuitive and, and it, it, it brings aversion to us. We don't like it. We try to hide from it. But no matter who you are or where you're at, you, you can't hide from change. You can't go to the moon or Mars or to escape aging, sickness, and death. They're going to happen no matter where you go or who you are or how much money or how much fame or how smart you are. Uh, you can probably maybe slow down some of the effects, but eventually, you know, the grim reaper <laughs> is going to catch you. 
there's no way to get around it. So I just kind of wanted to let you know about that. That's the whole point of this. We have to be able to un to practice the teachings of the Buddha skillfully and not unskillfully. If we notice that the five remembrances are, you know, bringing us into this downward spiral, that means that we're practicing them unskillfully, right? So instead of using the hammer to hammer in nails, we're using the hammer to try to hammer in a screw. And that's a problem, right? So the, the tool was designed for a certain thing. And if you're using it for something else, then uh, it's causing problems in what you're using, then you're not using it properly. So we have to be aware of the skillfulness of applying these tools in the broader context of the teachings of the Buddha. Okay. Bhante, I like that you, uh, you talked about impermanence with that. I think that's absolutely critical to this. If we look at, uh, you know the buddha's life you know he was he was sheltered when he was a prince you know and his death what his father wanted he did not want him to see impermanence he didn't want him to see like people getting sick or dying and that's why it's so crucial that we look at this because just as you mentioned with impermanence it's not fearful it's actually all things are possible thanks to impermanence mm -hmm. you know but we are so all of us that see you know people things dying stuff that the you know the Buddha when he was a prince didn't get to see, we get to see it, but we're so filled with delusion. We don't want to admit to it. We don't want to see it. And like you mentioned, you know, we, we want to look the same forever and not have aches and pains and all the, the aging process. We don't want all that. So it, you're absolutely right. Impermanence is a, a key part of this. And we're going to talk more about that tomorrow as well in our, our last day. But um, yeah, I love that you mentioned that. Yeah. And if we look at the word freedom, what does freedom mean? Freedom means to like let go, right? So letting go of our preconceptions, letting go of wanting the way, uh, th uh, for things to be the way we want them to be. So freedom is a term that implies kind of letting go of things, right? Not being attached to things. And all of us, especially as Americans, if you're in the United States, right? We're always about freedom, but we're always so reluctant to let things go. <laughs> So there's a kind of contradiction there, right? Uh, so we have to, freedom means to be free from things, to be like a bird where you don't need anything. You're just happy flying around, you know, without carrying anything with them. The birds don't take their nests with them. And, you know, they're not around, going around carrying things with them. And we always use birds as a sign of freedom, right? As liberation, even in, uh, in uh, Christianity, which is in the society, right? When we talk about freedom or when someone dies, we use doves, birds, America, the eagle. Why? Because they don't carry anything. But us, we have our phones stuck to our hips and we want everything with us at all times, right? And all our loved ones to be with us and everything. So we have to notice this, this contradiction that we have. Uh, it's like a song. Uh, reminds me of a song that goes, uh, everyone wants to hear the truth, but all they say is lies. Everyone wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> so it's something like that, you know, and this contradiction or, you know, they call it a cognitive dissonance is what causes the problem. You know, there's two things going on and they don't match up. So of course, right. It's like when you're a little kid and you try to put the square block into the circle, into the circle opening, right. It's not, it's going to, you're going to have a hard time and you're not going to be happy. So reality, you know, is a certain form impermanent. And if you try to, if you try to stick a permanent shape into it, it's not going to work. 
you're going to be like that kid who gets frustrated playing with the with the shapes. So no, we have to use the impermanent, uh, you know, symbolic block to put into the impermanent hole so we can uh, have a good time playing with these toys. So I think it's time for the meditation now. So we're going to do breathing meditation today and really focus on the change in the breath, right? The breath is a sign of impermanence, right? You breathe in and you breathe out. You breathe in and you breathe out. If you would only breathe in, that would be going against the nature of the body and it would cause pain. Just breathe in and don't breathe out, right? You're going to, within a couple seconds, you're going to feel distress. Also, when you breathe out without breathing in, if you just hold the out breath, you'd also feel distress. So we have to be in harmony. That means we have to keep breathing in and breathing out. So really watch the nature of change, of impermanence, of how you breathe in and breathe out. Notice this change, this transience, this process, and come to terms with it. Be all right, okay, just like this breath, everything else has to change. So I'm gonna go ahead and ring the bell and we can practice this breathing meditation uh, with kind of an undertone of impermanence there, watching the impermanence in the breath. Thank you. 
Now that your mind is calm, body is relaxed, you can bless yourself with your calm mind. Also by the power of this harmonious action, may you be free from immature company and may you always have good companions until you realize Nirvana. All right, Alan, anything else? I'd just like to add on to what you talked about before meditation. It's, uh, it's a great way to, to actually experience a permanence. So we, you know, we, you know, breathe every single moment, you know, of our life, but we don't really realize the impermanence of it, but it's, it's a beautiful way to show a permanence, you know, that, that in-breath, you know, we, we love it, you know, but we can't hold it. We got to, you know, have that out breath as well too. And we love that. And so we're in this constant cycle of, you know, impermanence, if you will, like, oh, that feels good, but that also feels good. So the extreme on one doesn't last for us and we enjoy both, or maybe we're having, you know, I'm, I'm stuffy with a cold or something like that. You know, that's impermanent as well to be able to, you know, breathe well uh, again. So uh, paying attention to the breath is a great way to experience impermanence you know, and why we should like impermanence as well. <laughs> yeah, thank you for adding that, Alan. Okay, everyone, so may you be well, happy, comfortable, and peaceful, and see you tomorrow for the last day of the 14 days. Goodbye. Bye.